Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. My name is Alan Thomas, and I am joined today by Mark Norfolk, CEO of Fabrisonic. How are you doing today, Mark? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Oh, good to have you here. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just jump right in it. Uh, tell us about Fabrisonic. What, who, you know, what is it? What do you guys do? Sure. Fabrisonic is a small startup in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, we manufacture um, metal 3D printers. Um, there's something a little unique about our metal 3D printers. When you, when you look at the, the space out there, most 3D printers are taking some sort of powder and melting it down and re-solidifying it to make a metal part. Um, our secret sauce is that we don't melt anything. Uh, we're actually taking thin foils of metal and welding them together uh, with a solid-state welding process called ultrasonic welding. Um, ultrasonic welding allows us to print layers of foil together, uh, layer by layer, to build a three-dimensional shape um, at temperatures less than 250 degrees F. So it's kind of the, the lowest setting on your oven. That's as hot as we ever get. Wow, that's, uh, that's something that you're able to do at such a low temperature. Yeah, the, uh, the, the concept of using ultrasound to weld metal, metal pieces together um, is not a new concept. It's been around since the late 1950s. Um, and in fact, if, if you have a cell phone in your pocket, you, you probably have some ultrasonic metal welds in your pocket. Uh, a lot of uh, small electronic devices are welded uh, with ultrasound. All we've done is taken this 1950s technology um, that kind of is low temperature for electronics, and we've scaled it up, um, put just a ton more power into it, uh, so we can weld much larger things like foils. And so, how did the how did Fabrisonic come about? How did you get the company started? 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We're actually a spin-out of a nonprofit. Um, the nonprofit company is called EWI. They are also in Columbus, Ohio. And their mission in life is to develop new manufacturing technologies um, to increase productivity and, and increase uh, productivity and, and uh, development inside the United States. Um, so all they do is really go around looking at existing technologies and trying to make them better, as well as developing new um, manufacturing techniques um, that solve current day problems. And would you say that that Fabrisonic, for the most part, is a B to B or B to B to C? Uh, pretty much all B to B. Yeah, um, our major customers are going to be like aerospace OEMs. Uh, people who make satellites and rockets and airplanes. Um, so it's it's pretty much straight B to B at this point. Okay. And in forming the company, what are some of the difficulties that you say you encountered when first putting the company together? Especially considering that you're using a completely different method of completely different method of of, of uh, using the printers. Sure. Um, I think from a from a business standpoint, just like any other startup, you know, capital is is the number one problem. Um, even though we were incubated inside of a, a nonprofit, um, if you think about it, the name nonprofit implies there's not a whole lot of capital involved. Um, so, you know, we, you know, building up the technology on a shoestring budget um, has been difficult from a business standpoint. Uh, but we've we've survived. Uh, we've been around for six years now, and uh, you know, we're profitable and growing, so we're okay with that. From a from a technology side, um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, we're we're this different technology that you know, not in the mainstream. It's not something anyone, uh, you know, most most engineers have heard of. Um, so it's really been an education, um, you know, development for us. We really have to develop uh, and educate our customer base that, hey, there's this other option out there that allows you to do some pretty cool things. Um, and uh, that's that's where we spend a lot of our time, actually. And, and your background in particular, were you already in the space or, or, or were you part of the nonprofit coming into this or... Yeah, as a you know, from a from a schooling standpoint, I'm a metallurgist, so you know this is kind of in my my wheelhouse. Um, but prior to Fabersonic, I spent five years at the nonprofit uh, managing large government development program, uh, similar to this one. Um, and so I, I had a lot of experience working in the kind of the R and D space. Um, and I guess I pissed off the wrong person, so they kicked me out to to go run this. <laughs> and uh, and I know you mentioned that. That uh, a lot of a lot of your projects may involve, let's say, aerospace or or things of that nature. What's the difference in, I guess, construction time or printing time with your method versus a traditional 3D printing method? Yeah, if you look at some of the powder-based um, technologies, we're we're maybe ten times faster than some of those powder bed methodologies. But in no way would I ever call it fast. Uh, no matter which 3D printing technology uh, you wanna you wanna select. Um, it's really not all about speed. We're certainly heading in that direction where we're trying to increase speed across the industry. Um, but really what the focus of 3D printing is, is what it allows you to do from a design standpoint. For instance, you know, with our technology, there's three, three big things that, that we allow designers to do that they just couldn't do before. The first one is we can weld dissimilar metals. So layer one can be aluminum, layer two can be copper, layer three can be titanium. And that's, that's something that's new. It's not uh, something that designers have had the, the opportunity to do in the past. Um, the second is we can embed electronic. I mentioned our low temperature of about 250F. That means as we're building up, we can drop in an electronic circuit, drop in an electronic sensor, weld right over it. And because it doesn't get that hot, the sensor survives, the electronic package survives. And again, this is something that, you know, 
in traditional manufacturing, there just hasn't been a lot of opportunity to do. Um, the last thing that we do, I think, is is ubiquitous across all 3D printers, and that's kind of geometry freedom. Um, you know, geome- geometric um, complexity is, is kind of free in 3D printing because you are building it up one layer at a time. Um, the designs that are possible with 3D printing are, are pretty much limitless uh, when you compare it to traditional manufacturing methods. And so when you're talking about how the temperature uh, won't affect the electronics that, he, that you can drop in, does that that basically means you can make um, make more complex projects then, right? Then it's exactly. close to like a traditional uh, 3D printing situation. Exactly. Um, when you look at all 3D printing, um, I think that the major trend is 3D printers are driving um, multi-part assemblies into a single part. Um, 3D printing allows you to take four or five parts and integrate them into a single quote-unquote print job. Um, so instead of having you know five parts, eight bolts, um, and some other assembly features, it's all done at one time in one printer. We take that a bit further by by adding in the electronics, by adding in the, the dissimilar metals. Um, so the the parts that we have the most success with that really give the most bang for the buck for the customer are parts where we're integrating two or three functions um, into a part. So, for instance, uh, we've recently been doing a whole lot of satellite parts. Um, and on those parts, we're typically building some sort of structural element. Inside that printed structural element, we also have uh, thermal cooling. So we have uh, channels for coolants to run through. Um, and at the same time, we're putting in electronics. Um, so you've taken three functions, sensing, cooling, and structure, and combined them into a single print job. And that's uh, that's where we spend a lot of our time. Also, you guys are kind of are kind of cornering the market in that particular in that particular piece of it, then, aren't you? <laughs> we're certainly having a lot of fun in that corner. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and and uh, and we've talked about how uh, it may have been there may have been a few obstacles when putting the company together. But what about some of the main achievements that you feel like you you've had in these past few years? Some of the really big wins that come to mind. Sure, um, the biggest one is is one we just wrapped up. Um, we spent uh, uh, multiple years, three or four actually, working with NASA JPL um, to to qualify um, some some very unique heat exchangers. Uh, for some interplanetary mission. Um, and when you look at uh, an interplanetary mission, uh, you know, the designers and the, the management at, at NASA, um, you know, they're really focused on risk. If you're going to send something to, say, Mars or Jupiter, um, you just don't have any tolerance for risk. Um, and 3D printing, you know, offers some risk. It's new. It's, it's exciting, but it's, you know, not fully vetted, not fully tested. So over the last uh, three to four years, uh, we've gone through a, a large program with JPL um, and we just wrapped that up. And at the end of the program, we passed all the qualification tests um, that they laid out. Uh, and that's first pressure, thermal cycling, um, helium leaf tightness um, on on several different uh, designs uh, of a heat exchanger. That, and all of those parts were really designed so that they have the, the same features that you would see in any flight uh, thermal, um, thermal solution. Um, so that's you know, gives us a, a big leg up, um, you know, as we're starting to look at uh, new programs inside of JPL. So that, that was, that was really exciting for us. Wow. And, and, and for, for an organization that risk averse, how do you even get in the door in the first place in order to get the testing done to, to be able to demo what you can do? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, we certainly, you know, spent a lot of our time, as I mentioned earlier, educating people. Hey, here's some things that uh, are now available that haven't been available in the past. And I think if you look at any organization, um, you're always going to have some people inside that organization who are passionate 
about taking the next step that are, are you know pushing the boundaries. And we were fortunate to to work with some some great individuals at uh, at JPL who saw the you know the change in the status quo that could be had with 3D printing, and really championed it um, you know throughout the three or four years that we've been working there. Um, and it's not that the people that are conservative are, are bad. Um, they certainly have the the best interests in mind of of the organization. Um, it's really our job um, to you know really overcome. Uh, those things that they they see as risk and, and prove out that this is not a risk. Um, and I think with you know the internal um, champions and with a lot of development work, we were able to get to that point. It was a win-win for everybody. That sounds like uh, that they have just the right mix of people then to where you can always still be moving forward, but not really, but you know, but not but not so much to the point where you stick your neck out and you put whole projects in jeopardy. Fantastic. That's exactly right. Um, you know, all the folks we deal with at JTL are, are really top notch, and, and like you say, they have a great team put together. Um, that when you you know, take all the parts, um, you know, it's, it's a good solution. So, in putting together some of the developments that you've had over the years and refining the process, have, do you do you ever run across people who may have ideas that seem a little bit too out there, or maybe a little bit too outside the box, where you say, well? This isn't something we could do this year, but maybe in the next couple of years or three or four years. Certainly. Yeah, there's uh, there's always people out there pushing the boundaries. And, um, you know, honestly, we love hanging out with those kind of people because it really motivates us to keep pushing and to, to build the technology just that much better. Um, but, yeah, there's there's people who come to us and we say, you know, this is a great concept. This is something that we'd love to work on. Um, but, frankly, the technology is not there yet. Um, here's the reasons why. And here's a, you know, and a research plan that we can follow to get there. Um, so we love laying out those research plans. And then it's, uh, you know, always about, you know, getting the funding for the re- research pro- program, whether it's internal research and development or, you know, maybe government sponsored or something like that. Uh, but um, we're always looking for that next, that next plateau. And that's great that you wouldn't, that you wouldn't actually have to say no, that you could say, okay, let's, let's build a research plan around it and see what it would take to get to this. Yeah. I, I think when you, you look at small startups, um, you know, the word no is, it can't be in your dictionary. Um, as a startup, you've got to be excited about challenges. And um, I think that's what motivates, uh, you know, the folks that we have here is, you know, what's the next challenge? What's the next great thing that we can do? And people on the outside who have crazy ideas are, are the type of people we like to hang out with. <laughs> and as far as the uh, company itself, what does the roadmap look like for Fabrisonic the next year or two? What can we expect to see? Sure. Yeah. Um, most of our, our revenue right now is, is mostly around uh, fee-for-service, so uh, service bureau type work. Um, and along those lines, we're increasing our capacity internally to build parts for customers using our patented technology. Um, so late last year, we brought in an additional machine. Um, and it's looking like in the next uh, 12 to 18 months, we're going to have to bring on yet another machine. Um, so really, I, I think from a growth standpoint, it's going to be building out our production uh, facility. Uh, we have some some other uh, technology advancements, uh, you know, in the bullpen, so to speak, but uh, nothing that's ready for launch at this point. And in terms of the machines that you guys are using, are, what are there? If I if I was to look at your machine versus someone else's 3D printer, are there huge differences in size or the way it works or is it, is it just the, the the fact that you're using like you said lower temperatures and you're not melting um any substance yeah that's a great question um the lower the lower welding temperature um, and the fact that we're not melting the metal really changes the form and 
stiff of our machines. Um, most 3D printers have to have some sort of inert environment because when you melt metal, if you get oxygen, uh, you know, involved, uh, bad things happen. Um, with our process, since we're not melting, uh, we don't need any shielding gas. We don't need any uh, vacuum. So we're doing this in open air. Uh, that allows us, uh, you know, the ability to make much larger machines. Uh, not only can we print a little faster, but we don't have to worry about keeping oxygen out. Um, so one of our machines actually has a build volume of six foot by six foot by three foot, which is, is pretty big in the 3D printing world. Another thing that may be a little different about our machines is uh, if you look at one of our machines and you look at a CNC mill, they look an awful lot alike. Um, how we build our machines is we start off with an off-the-shelf CNC mill and we add our welding technology as a, another tool in the tool changer. Um, so if you have someone out there who knows how to run a CNC mill, knows G-code, uh, they already know how to run our machines. Ah. Oh, that's that's uh, so that should make for a, a good transition then in terms of you bring in somebody who has that experience and you kind of can transition them over to your machine with a, kind of a exactly. minimum of fuss then. Yeah, yeah. If you know G code, uh, we just got to teach you a few few extra M codes and you're ready to go. Oh, okay. So it's uh, okay. So it's not this this completely foreign machine to whoever's stepping up to it. If you have this specific set of skills, you can pick this up like that. Exactly. Okay, that's great. And in terms of what you'd want our listeners to take away from this interview when thinking about Fabrisonic? What's the big takeaway that they should really be thinking about? The, the thing we always are trying to educate educate people about um, is that there there's a lot of different things possible with 3D printing. In, in our particular case, the three big ones are welding dissimilar metals, embedding electronics, and making complex internal shapes. Um, and really, designers aren't constrained anymore um, by the limits of CNC milling. Um, and that's the message we're trying to get out. And, uh, do you, and so uh, and do you think that welding dissimilar metals together, it, are we at the point where we're ready for that to kind of go wide, or is it just more of an isolated? Uh, we're doing that in production for lots of different parts. Um, one, one great example is in heat exchangers. Uh, we'll print some aluminum uh, for weight, but some copper in key locations where you want to wick heat away. Another area we're doing a lot of work in is um, in managing what's called a coefficient of thermal expansion. Uh, so if you take two different materials um, and heat them up, um, material A is going to, to grow a little bit faster than material B, and that causes a lot of problems uh, in parts that are heated and cooled a lot. Um, so we do a lot where we mix metals and we actually create a gradient of metals um, so that we can reduce what's, you know the CTE mismatch um, which is the technical term for that that growth, uh, we can reduce that by by engineering a new material that's made up of maybe three or four different metals. Huh. Okay. okay. Well, uh, I just want to go ahead and thank you, Mark, for coming in and being on the podcast and sharing your expertise with us. And you shared some, a, lot, a lot of interesting stuff with us. Uh, no like problem. Listening. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. 
If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.